What is this? The St. Canard Files. Ooh, a podcast about that do-gooder Darkwing Duck. Blech. Talk about a waste of airspace. <laughs> if I had my way, this podcast would be about me, Nega Duck. So take that, and everyone would have to pay to listen to it. Yeah, or face the consequences. <laughs> I'm so ticked off that I'm molting. Welcome to the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. We're your hosts, Mike Russo and... Tiffany Silverbron. Doing okay tonight, Tiffany? Yep, pretty good. All right, well, let's uh, let's address the most recent news that we unfortunately heard a couple of days ago. Um, Gilbert Godfrey passed away, and that's pretty sad. Yeah. And Thoughts? Unexpected. <laughs> yeah, he was only, you know, I thought he was older. He was only 67. Yeah. I didn't know he'd been sick. Me either. Must have been private. Yeah, he definitely kept that to himself because lots of people seem pretty shocked by it. Um, And he seemed to be one of those people that just everybody loved. He didn't do anything. Aside from the Affleck thing a few years back, um... He seemed to be relatively loved, and just the outpouring of just love for him all over social media was nice to see. Nobody was like, screw this guy, he sucked. Everybody was like, no, they loved him. Yeah. Like, whether it was for his stand-up, his work, you know, his appearances on the Howard Stern show, his, his acting credits on movies like Problem Child, or, of course, his voiceover work. Everybody loved him for something. How yeah. did, were you a fan? Yeah, like since I was a little kid and I thought he was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely like one of the most distinctive voices. He, yeah, he was my childhood, your child. He was part of everybody's childhood to some extent. I mean, there's a lot we could talk about with him, but since this is a Disney podcast... I guess we could probably just narrow it down to his work as Iago from all the Aladdin stuff, huh? Yep. Um, fan of Aladdin? Yep. Yeah, yep. of course. <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's my favorite of the uh, the Renaissance films, at least. Um, and you know, Iago had a lot to do with it. Genie too. Um. I just thought Iago was a great character. I think he really made yeah. that movie. But I think more importantly, I think he was the best character on the TV show. Yeah. <laughs> like, the show absolutely needed him. I, I, even, I even said it on um, Tad Stones' Facebook, because he produced that show, that the Aladdin series absolutely needed an asshole to balance out the rest of the cast. <laughs> yes. And that was Iago, and... He's the, the bender. <laughs> He's the what? The bender. 
the Bender or the Eric Cartman or whatever he was, uh, you needed him because every other cast member was, I wouldn't say goody two shoes, but they were very positive and very, um, very good, very nice, very good, you know, very altruistic, most of them. But then you just always had Iago saying nasty things and picking on everybody and being all greedy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like if he wasn't on the show, it would have been a lesser show. Yeah. And the character was fun enough. I didn't mind constantly hearing Gilbert Gottfried's voice yeah, all I mean, the time. It works for a parrot. For a parrot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, it works. And he had all the best episodes because there was a bit more edge when he was around. Yep. I think like I don't remember the name of the episode. I don't remember the name of the villain. I don't really remember much. But there is an episode where. Um, Iago awakens a monster that can only be defeated by the person who awakens him, but he will not fess up to having done it, so he blames it on Genie. <laughs> so while Genie's getting his butt kicked the entire episode, Iago flees Agrava and goes to live on a deserted island where no one can get to him. <laughs> but then his conscience comes out of the water like a Jacob Marley covered in chains, and he's like, you have to go back. And Iago's <laughs> like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not that bad. And his conscience is like, you instigated the bloodiest war in Mesopotamian history just so you could corner the falafel market. <laughs> and I'm like, that's such a great line because that character cr almost crosses a line of being despicable. But then in most episodes, they pull it back and they make him a hero, kind of like Darkwing Duck. Once yeah. in a while, Darkwing almost crosses that line where he is despicable. But yeah. he's, he usually manages to get it together. And that's what I like about him. And that's why Iago worked. That's definitely a show from Disney Afternoon that I haven't rewatched. I've only seen it when it from when it came out. Well, Disney doesn't make it easy to rewatch it. <laughs> yeah. It still isn't on Disney Plus. I have my guesses why it probably isn't, but <laughs> who knows? And he was like the only character like across those three movies and the TV show that actually had an arc. Like I love um, Aladdin and the King of Thieves. I think that's a great movie. Yeah. Um, shout out to Disney Australia, which totally hit a home run with that movie. But that's, you know, in that movie, Aladdin meets his dad, who's the King of Thieves, and he's trying to go straight. But Iago talks him into stealing something. And gets them both thrown in the thrown in the dungeon. And when they get broken out, they have to they have to leave. And all of this happens because Iago convinces him to do it. And in the end, his father can't stay because he's a wanted criminal. So Iago volunteers to just leave with him. And it's a really good ending, and it like really shows growth with the character that none yeah. of the other characters got in that show. Like Genie, yeah. no, absolutely not. <laughs> Even though but, we should have. He should have, but no one really grew on that show. But the parrot did. Yeah. Of all the characters, the show growth and have a character arc. It was the parrot. Yeah, the side want, parrot. Yeah, I, it wasn't the monkey. It was the parrot. Uh, I want to revisit that show from like beginning to end because there's a lot of episodes I don't remember. But if Disney's not going to let me do it, I don't know how it's going to happen. So yeah. at least we online somewhere huh? are there any somewhere else online 
Probably. I know it's hard to find things on YouTube anymore. You're not going to find it there. Um, I'm sure if you look, you could. But I like to watch it, like, good quality, but I don't know. Yeah, was there even a, was there video release? I don't even remember. No. No, I mean, if you want to get some idea how the show was, you watch Return of Jafar and Aladdin and the King of Thieves. At least they're available, but Mm -hmm. the show isn't. Which is a shame. It's like the one major piece of Disney afternoon that's still missing. Unless you count Schnookums and me, and I don't. <laughs> no one's clamoring for that show. And if you are, I question your taste. <laughs> um, it's a popular show, too. It's really weird. And Aladdin, it aired for a long time on Toon Disney. I think it yeah. was airing as late as, like, 2006. Wow. It was like one of the last of the Disney afternoon shows to get pulled off of cable. That's how long it aired. But um, maybe one day they'll, maybe they're remastering it in HD. Maybe there's something culturally insensitive they don't want to, they don't want to deal with. It's possible. I'm sure there's with so many <laughs> with so many Arab characters with stupid punny names like Aminda Mula. Maybe they're like, this might cross some lines where the, the two other movies don't. This might. And they're, maybe they're a little uh, worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> because the, the live action Aladdin came and went. We didn't get it. I mean, the other two movies are there. I don't know why they don't want to do it. The, the Little Mermaid show was up and just Aladdin's yeah. not. And I would kind of hope that they use Gilbert Godfrey's death to like, show this stuff because he was such a major part of it yeah but this is this is disney we're talking about though i don't think that's gonna ever happen in a million years but who knows they might surprise us <laughs> anyway uh let's get back to darkwing duck we have another issue to talk about issue 15 uh which came out august of 2011 we are getting down to the home stretch with these issues aren't we yep we don't have too many more at least from the boom era. Uh, so this is the third part of uh, Campaign Carnage. And again, I only think they came up with Campaign Carnage when they came time to put everything into trade paperback form because they still aren't <laughs> using that title. Uh, this F- this issue is called The Ballot of Darkwing Duck and Launchpad Part 1. <laughs> um, so they must have only come up with Campaign Carnage when it was time to put everything together in the paperback and they're like oh geez what title do we use for this and then they they pulled that out uh so anyway we have two covers as we normally do uh for once we don't have a cover that's inspired by an old batman cover we have something else um entirely this time but ish um 15a what does this cover look like tiffany um, it's a it's Darkwing and Launchpad fighting at podiums. Launchpad's podium has a picture of um, a pie, an apple pie, and Darkwing's as a baseball. As American um, as baseball and apple pie. <laughs> and there's um, American flag curtain or um, yeah, like curtains surrounding them. And in the four corners, you see, um, should I say? <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. I don't think it matters. It's pretty easy to figure out who these guys are. <laughs> you see um, Gumbo, um, Jumbleye Jake's sidekick, and you see a megaphone and a la- uh, laser gun on 
the bottom right and a rocket launcher on the bottom left. Yeah, so if you if you if you have the issue and you see the cover, you you pretty much have a good idea who these guys are. Um, but we'll save naming all of them until later. Um, notice Darkling standing on a crate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's just not tall enough to meet Launchpad eye to eye without a crate. <laughs> a simple cover, you know, a nice one from James Silvani. I do like it, and the four villains in the corners definitely give it some symmetry. Yeah. Uh, but then we have issue um, 15B. What is this? This one is a parody of the um, Shepherd Fairy artwork of Obama, the Hope um, poster and sticker. And it's, um, you know, red, white, and blue colors with launch pad in the middle. And instead of Hope, it says Crash. <laughs> I like that he chose to do launch pad. This isn't actually not he. This is a Sabrina Alberghetti cover. I love um, it. <laughs> it's so great. It's and I believe um, Silvani went back and did something similar with this with Darkwing, right? Yeah, and it said dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't on any of the comics, but it's nice to have a Darkwing uh, counterpoint to this. And it's kind of cool. Remember back when, like, political campaigns and, like, debates and all this kind of stuff wasn't the crap show it is now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, simpler, simpler times. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, that's which one do you like more? Uh, B, for sure. Yeah. I mean, A is a bit more relevant to what happens in the story. But as a standalone cover, I love B. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. So we might as well start talking about the issue. Um, eh, not a favorite, right? Not really. <laughs> you don't feel yeah. you're not feeling this one at this point, right? No. <laughs> yeah, so let's just get started then. How does this issue start, Tiff? So you see Darkwing in the middle of a battle with a character um, named Eagle Eye, who's shooting um, Frost at him. And um, in in the middle of doing that, he freezes uh, Tito from Oliver and Company. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, you see, and then it cuts to Constance, talking about um darkwing darkwing duck still um bringing all the villains and um she's trash talking him yeah and you know remember she's in this minute mayoral race too yep so it's cutting back and forth between constance talking about darkwing and him running away from eagle eyes um laser eyes and electricity eyes and water eyes <laughs> And everywhere he looks is a picture of Launchpad all over the city, on blimps, on telephone poles, on, an, on a lady's shirt, and a bumper sticker. Yep. <laughs> Launchpad's done a really good job getting his face out there. Yep. And he's kind of mentally battling the fact that Launchpad's his friend. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, so... Eagle Eye freezes Darkwing's arms to the, you know, to a brick wall and is closing in to defeat him when who suddenly shows up? Spike. <laughs> yeah, there he is. So, With a bone in his mouth. <laughs> so this little cameo is a one of the best. It's what I reference the most when I talk about the differences between the, the Ian Brill's writing in the comics and what they did for Definitively Dangerous. Because here, Spike jumps out grabs the bone and you think oh you know this that's a great you know 
reference to Beauty and the Beat, the running gag, where he's always playing fetch. But then Darkwing gets this really stupid line. He goes, hmm, Bushroot's old pet. The past keeps catching up with me. But why? Which, it just kind of kills the joke. In Definitively Dangerous, Spike pops up, grabs the bone, and Darkwing's like, oh, it's Spike. I'm sure glad I played nice with that thing. <laughs> Which makes it clear that this is literally just a hom- homage to Beauty and the Bee. It has nothing to do with anything else. It's just, hey, there's Spike, and he's fetching a bone. And some background info. Uh, this is a joke that Aaron Sparrow wanted to do throughout the entire comic. I mean, he's been gone for a long time at this point. And he wanted to have Spike come back every so often and play fetch with Darkwing, just as a, as a joke, to keep the joke going. But when Brill finally uses it, he ties it into the larger story and kills the joke. Absolutely yeah. kills it. It gets lost. Yeah. Because they even reference this joke later on in the issue. And again, they just kill it even further. All right. So we're moving on. Okay. I have a treat for our listeners. Um, Tiffany, before I, you know, show the treat, tell us what's happening in this sequence. So then you're back at Darkwing Tower. And um, Darkwing's trying to figure out, um, you know, what's going on with Launchpad and everything and how he could possibly um beat him and what his secret of his success is and well well, you know what tiffany i'm gonna stop you (laughs) because how would everyone like to hear what's happening in these two pages from the characters themselves (laughs) that's possible because i don't know where it happened exactly but at some point after definitively dangerous came out Jim Cummings and Katie Lee read the dialogue live of these two pages. I'm going to play that dialogue now. And yay. And you're going to hear something very interesting. So is everybody ready? Here we go. Would you look at that? It's bad enough my best friend stabbed me in the back and is actively fighting against me. But now he's transformed Quackworm's tower into a titanic testament to his territory. But DW, he says, I'm just giving the city what it wants. But what, what about what I want? A quick and easy win. Uh, sir, um, I created an algorithm to cross-reference all the available polling data, social media activity, and news articles regarding Launchpad. Um, and I think I figured out his appeal. Uh, oh it's, all, it's all right. They're, they're friend. Oh, it's all right. They're, they're friend friendliness, humor, earnestness, humility. Humility. I'm humble. I'm better at being humble than anybody. Ask anyone how magnificently humble I am. I know you are doing this for Morgana, Dad, and I believe in you. But instead of criticizing Launchpad, maybe there's something you can learn from all of this. Uh, exactly right, Goslin. Hunker, what can I learn from all this? <laughs> uh, in, um, the public's mind, Constance is already too aggressive. You'd have to somehow, uh, uh discredit Launchpad, and then you'd be the front runner by, uh, default. Then I get to being a pest dispenser? Yeah. Hunker, you're a genius! My new campaign manager. The job only pays in school credit, you do realize that. <laughs> uh, that's okay. Yeah. 
What'd you think of that? <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> and what was really awesome about that, I know she only gets one line, but Kitty Lee did Goslin. Yeah. And I think she did a really good job. Yep. That was cool. Um, so that was really awesome. And I it was cool. It was just great. It's great to hear them do all this dialogue again, you know? Jim still got it. Katie Honker has an age of the day. Yep. Like she sounds <laughs> great. Um, so anyway, we have to move on. Uh so Darkwing makes Honker his campaign manager. And even though Goslin just wants Darkwing to go talk to Launchpad, that's not gonna happen. So speaking yeah. of Launchpad, what happens next, Tiffany? So then you cut back to Launchpad and Quackworks, and you see that he brought someone in to be his new campaign manager. And you see a uh, part of a figure that looks oddly familiar in the corner. <laughs> um, two figures, technically. Yeah, two figures. Um, I mean, let's let's cut to the chase. Who are we supposed to think this is? It's it looks just like Gyro, Gyro Gearloose. And, and just to point out, behind Launchpad is a map of the Magic Kingdom. Yep. Because, of course, there is. But, um, unfortunately, it's not Gyro. <laughs> Who is it? It's Doofus. <laughs> Before we go any further, what did you think of Doofus on the original DuckTales? <laughs> I kind of hated him when I was a kid, but then I thought he was hilarious when I got older. What made him what what made him hilarious? <laughs> just because he was like so tragic and I don't know. I just was more amused by it. I think I was like seeing him as like as a kid I was seeing him as like a kid like that and I was another kid. But then it's just kind of funny and tragic and adorable as an adult. <laughs> there was a podcast I used to listen to um called um It's a Duck Blur where they did every episode of, Dark, of DuckTales the same way we're doing Darkwing Duck. And they had the theory that um, Doofus was a homeless vagrant who just <laughs> found a Junior Woodchuck hat and put it on one day and decided he just wanted to hang out with Launchpad all the time. Because there was no ex other explanation for this character. Yeah, I mean... Really go into his backstory at all. He doesn't have a backstory. He's just <laughs> this kid who idolizes Launchpad, and he's basically just a walking fat joke. Yeah. Which is why, obviously, they had to change him for the DuckTales 2017. But yeah. I will take the original doofus over what we got on that show. Yeah. Honestly. Weird. <laughs> so it turns out what we thought was Gyro was doofus with a flower pot, a lampshade or something on his head. Um, in this version, he just says to Launchpad, sorry, I just wanted it to be brighter in here. Um, <laughs> I think what he says in Definitively Dangerous is funny. He says, I just wanted to know what it feels like to be a political party animal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. um, we also have a poster on the wall of Presto, the uh, the Pixar short with the magician and the the very insubordinate bunny rabbit. Uh, very <laughs> funny short. Have you not seen it? I don't think I've seen it for some reason. It's like Pixar's tribute to Tex Avery. Uh, oh, wow. Straight out. You need to see it. It's very <laughs> funny. So Doofus becomes Launchpad's campaign manager. And Launchpad makes it clear he's aggressively running against Darkwing. 
because he really just wants Darkwing to go back to doing what he does best. Yeah. You know, and he, he's doing this because he cares about him. But that's weird because Launchpad doesn't think things through like that. Launchpad's <laughs> not that smart. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Launchpad and Darkwing are headed off to talk to a some guy to help them with their communication strategy. They're both off to pretty. They, they both. They're mentioning they're going to talk to somebody. We're inferring it's the same person. Yeah. So moving on, uh, we're back to Constance. What is she up to? So she's talking to her person, <laughs> and um, you see, I wanted to say really quick in the background of Constance's office, you see a bunch of um, weasels. <laughs> yep. Weasels, yeah. classic Disney villains. Yep. Um, she is saying that her, the person that's helping her, his name is Bob, and she's saying that everything is going good because she's, um, she's got um, Darkwing and Launchpad fighting against each other, um, even though like her poll numbers are are down. Like her plan is to get them to fight against each other, and that's how she thinks she's gonna. And Win. she's positive when people find out how stupid Launchpad really is, they're not going to vote for him. Yep. <laughs> and and she makes a comment that when this guy, Bob, gave her his business card, she suddenly felt different, had a new outlook, which is exactly yep. what happened to One Shot and um, Katankaris. So, hmm. Interesting. Yep. <laughs> so we do see Bob. Mm-hmm. What's this guy look like? He's a... <laughs> A very familiar, sinister-looking guy. He's a, a dog, I think. Something. Slick-back slick hair and a um, business suit. Looks very old-timey villainy with the mustache. And and he's very black. Yeah. Like, his mustache, his eyebrows, his hair, his suit, yeah. everything's black. So that should, honestly, if maybe if you're savvy enough and you know your Disney comics history, you might have put it together already. Yeah, and that's... If you know Disney Comics, this panel is the giveaway of who this is. <laughs> yep. Then we get a whole splash page of basically Darkwing Duck slander. Just pictures of Darkwing all dazed. A picture of half Darkwing's face, half Negaduck's face. Um, a picture of Darkwing looking stupid. Or it drunk. Says, <laughs> or drunk. It says Darkwing Duck, crime is a disease, and he is just, and he just put St. Gernard in the emergency room. Um, and at the bottom corner of this page is Toby from The Great Mouse Detective with, with a Darkwing flag on his tail. Uh, you know, getting a lot really of Disney get, dog references here. I don't really get that one. <laughs> Maybe he's saying Darkwing's so stupid only dogs support him. I don't know. <laughs> So Darkwing sees this advert, you know, this sees this slander in the newspaper and it has a hissy fit and is screaming about how, you know, it's my city and I'm going to be running it. And he seems uncharacteristically angry, like really angry. Yep. And, and he went, so what happens? Out, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> he finds out that Launchpad is the um, the biggest benefactor to this smear campaign against him. And were you going to say something? No, I was going to say Goslin asked him if he remembers why he's running in the first place. Yeah. And then you see him um, saying, of course not. And in the background, you see the 
darkwing blimps with searchlights and then it cuts to a, a vision of the dark warrior um tank and um a bunch of dark warrior-esque soldiers lined up and the fearsome five and still be cowering in fear yep <laughs> and then darkwing makes a comment he's only doing this so nobody feels a sense of loss that he does and then Goslin once again slaps him into reality by saying, <laughs> talk to launch pad. <laughs> you should listen to her more often. Yeah. So speaking of launch pad, what is launch pad doing? So launch pad's doing a campaign rally now, and he is um, shirtless <laughs> with a uh... sexy launch pad <laughs> over here. <laughs> Come on. You know, the girls love it. <laughs> With a saxophone and a chain around his, um, as a belt, a chain as a belt. This is referencing something, right? I'm pretty sure it's referencing the saxophone guy meme from, clip from an 80s movie that was used, like, several times for memes. (laughs) And Doofus is down there on the triangle. Yep. (laughs) And then Darkwing bursts in, and him and Launchpad get into a fight about the smear campaigns. I love I love the smear campaign against Launchpad, which is Launchpad in a small plane having crashed into a building, giving the thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> and the two of them are yelling at each other and they're pointing at each other. And then all of a sudden they both look at their fingers and they notice their fingers are turning black. Yep. So if this was a TV show, we would smash cut right back to the tower mm-hmm. where we learn what? That um, Honker and Goslin have been doing research to find out what's behind all of this. And they noticed that there wasn't anything on the posters. Um, By the way, the drawing of Darkwing on the poster Goslin <laughs> holds up with like this slack jaw, but like a crooked slack jaw is the funniest Darkwing drawing I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, it looks like it's a um, like a photo that was taken like in the middle of him like talking or something. <laughs> um then yeah they they ask if they were um touching any or met anyone shady or took anything from someone shady and they pull out the business cards that they both have and realize that there's stuff on it that they found all over cat tangerous um armor and um one shots um coat which are both painted completely wrong well painted they don't paint comics anymore both colored completely wrong in this panel, and they go back and they fix it. Because Katankerous armor was not silver. Yeah. <laughs> and one shot's coat wasn't gray. Don't know how that they slipped that slipped by, but oh well. Um, so yeah, you see Honker and he's looking at it under a microscope. And it's Can I say that Honker is finally really coming into his own it took four story arcs for honker to actually feel like honker and like do something honkerish yeah <laughs> like he is essential to this issue yep what do they so what do they see they see a bunch of menacing looking spots like black smudges with sharp teeth and red eyes mm-hmm. <laughs> this this does pay off if you count um dangerous currency as being canon and since nobody does we're still (laughs) gonna do it but um we're gonna find out why these little splotches have sharp teeth and red glowing eyes but we'll get there 
Um, so the only one who benefits from all of this is, of course, Constance. Yeah. So they figure out the guy who gave them the cards has to be on Constance's team. So they decided to go to the mayoral debate where they should be right now. They're late for this. And so Darkwing and Launchpad hop in the rat catcher and head to the building where it says mayoral debate tomorrow, donkey basketball finals. <laughs> oh, and, and Herbie the love bug. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Herbie the love bug, number 53, right there. I didn't even notice that the first time around. Yeah, I just did too. <laughs> so, okay, Constance is up there, flanked by two empty podiums, you know, saying they can't even bother to be here, and they want to ruin their friendship. But all of a sudden, Launchpad and Darkwing do show up, and they're like, you know, she's like, I'm insulted. Don't you blame me. Darkwing's like, don't give me the innocent routine. But then... Suffrage. Is it suffrage or suffrage? I think it's suffrage. Because it's S U F F hyphen R A G E. Oh, suffrage. <laughs> well, you know what? Regardless, suffrage is a really stupid name. <laughs> and in this ver in the this version of the comic, she shows up, says her name is Suffrage, and Darkwing's like, that couldn't be her, because they still want us to think this character is Morgana. And I hate it. Um, so they change it in Definitively Dangerous, where she says she's suffrage, and Launchpad goes, boy, UW, that's the weirdest supervillain name we've gotten yet. And Darkwing's like, remember Quilto, the malevolent mattress man of menace? And Launchpad goes, touche. <laughs> oh, my God, that's so much funnier. Yeah, and it's a reference to Crazy Quilt from Batman. <laughs> and then suffrage... After that, she says, you know, she calls him Dark. And in Definitively Dangerous, Darkwing's like, did she just call me Dark? So yeah, I like that better. <laughs> so both versions of the comic want to make you think this is Morgana, but Definitively Dangerous is doing a better job of it. So what does Suffrage do? She says, prepare yourselves for the League of Barely Remembered Supervillains. And bursting through the wall are the Bugmaster, a.k.a. Bianca Beakley, Lilliput, Tuscanini, Jambalaya, Jake and Gumbo, and Professor Moliarty. And all hell breaks loose. <laughs> yep. So they jump and tackle Darkwing. You see Launchpad not far behind, and he gets stopped by Gumbo. I do have to say, I don't like how James Silvani always draws Gumbo to look like TikTok Croc. He does not look like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, Launchpad wants sidekicks to stick together. <laughs> That's not, not going to happen. Well, just give him one of your brownies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so then, huge fight. Um, Launch, I mean, Darkwing says... Um, I can fight you as fast as I can remember your names and starts naming them all off and then um, forgets Tuscanini for some reason. <laughs> of all the characters he forgets, he forgets Tuscanini, who was in more episodes than Lilliput, Bugmaster, and Jambalaya Jake combined. Yeah, that's weird. <laughs> Tuscanini probably shouldn't even be here. Yeah. Okay, name one villain you'd replace him with. Um, I can name... Four. <laughs> Go for it. Name all four. <laughs> all right, I dare I, you. <laughs> Isis Vanderchill, Dr. Fossil, Not Off, or Jack Newbody. <laughs> Camille Chameleon, Cement Head. 
Uh, Major Synapse. I mean, he's dead, but yeah. <laughs> Ample Grime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's more. Major Trenchrot. Major Trenchrot and the King. Oh, yeah. The King would be super old. Yeah, he'd be old. He'd be Fat Elvis. Um, okay, so Dark, so, you know, the fight's breaking loose, and what happens? What happens now, Tiff? So um, he's fighting them, and they grab a curtain, and they wrap them up in a giant curtain. And, and Darkwing apologizes to Constance by for thinking she was the true villain. Yep. And, Little does uh, he know, though. <laughs> and Suffrage says, you know, an excellent performance. Now let's see how you do against enemies that are not figments of your imagination. And so she just... Up. Yeah, she just made them appear out of thin air. So these guys aren't really real. Yeah. Right? So she could have used the dead villains if she really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, 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 this is really confusing. I hate suffrage. And in the corner there, there's a stork from Dumbo as a janitor. <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> um, so then she uses her powers to turn... Um, all the people at the campaign into zombies, kind of like, you know, what do you call it? Hypnotized eyes, zombies. <laughs> yeah, and, something like that. Yeah, and turns them against Dark, um, all three of them, Darkwing, Launchpad, and Constance. And says, Darkwing, meet your public. So there yeah. we go. To be continued. Okay, why not? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like suffrage. <laughs> Um, anyway, okay, so that's issue 15. Uh, let's rate it. We're not going to rate suffrage until next week. So let's just rate the issue. What would you give this one? I guess I'd give it a three. Um, I don't know. I'm, there's a lot of things that are weird to me, like character weirdness. Yeah. Like, I don't like how Honker even mentions that um, Darkwing needs to discredit Launchpad. I don't think Honker would ever say that. <laughs> no, that's really out of Honker's... That's out of character for him. Yeah, even if he knew that that was true, I don't think he would say it. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, I don't like Launchpad coming up with his smart plan to get Darkwing to save... Uh, I mean, to stay Darkwing. I don't think he would do that either. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, just weird stuff like that. Um, I don't really like suffrage that much either. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to say anything. The reason why I guess I put it up a little higher is because the villain, I really like the villain that is revealed. <laughs> I'm going to give it a very reserved three as well. I don't know why. I kind of I kind of think I should rate it lower, but I'll be fair to it. Again, I don't like suffrage at all. Why was Doofus here? <laughs> I I feel like if you're gonna reference something Ducktales, bring in a character people actually care about. <laughs> like it, it's not it's not exciting that he's there, because once he has that one scene, he does nothing. But he keeps popping up in all these panels. In fact. The scene where they're analyzing the ink, he's in every panel just watching and has nothing to contribute. So in Definitively Dangerous, they make him say, 
can I just say how happy I am to be here? It's just like, <laughs> whatever, doofus. Um, I think they're just like trying to lead into dangerous currency without like having the ones that you really want to see. But doofus isn't in dangerous currency. Yeah, I mean, just the DuckTales crossover. Like, I mean, I guess if, if Launchpad's going to go to anybody for advice, he'll go to his biggest fan. Well, I, <laughs> yeah. I guess. It's all right. The League of Barely Remembered Supervillains is funny. You know, that, that's that, I, I don't mind that. It's it's an okay issue. It's just, it's not, it's not up to where this comic used to be. Like, the fact that they blew through the Fearsome Five so early in the run, I feel like, I, I feel like things seem very bland now. We need, like, Bushroot and Megavolt in this yeah. comic. Because they were they were constants on the show, yeah. and now they've been gone for almost the entire run, and like now they just they gotta make up new villains because they have nobody left. Like yeah. if I was doing this, I would have had Megavolt come back every few issues. Like mm-hmm. it feels it feels empty without these guys. Yeah, and then you see Spike, and it's just like makes you want to see Bushroot, and you don't. <laughs> they totally rectify this with Joe Books. I'm really excited to get to those issues. I really yeah. am. Those are head and shoulders above these last two story arcs by a by a large margin. That's what it reminded me of. Like seeing Spike was thinking about that Joe Books. <laughs> I mean, he keeps finding reasons. Uh, Brill keeps finding reasons to stick Negaduck and the other characters into small references. They do show up in this issue, but that just makes you want to keep seeing them. And the fact that they're totally gone is, and Quackerjack's never going to come back, except for like one yeah. reference. It's a shame. <laughs> like they they can't keep like poofing these characters away, you know? Yeah, and the development they did in the comic of Quackerjack was so good. It's really a shame. I mean, I say we're never going to see Quacker Jack again. I mean, they all do come back for Dangerous Currency, but they screw them up so bad with that. I barely count it. <laughs> so again, a very reserved three. Um, next issue, we're going to wrap everything up. Um, and yeah, let's just move on. Because uh, I'm excited for your um, your en- next entry in the Mike and Tiffany mini reviews. Which episode are we doing today? Um, surprise. Uh, Darkly Dawn's a Dark Part 2. No. <laughs> I'm as shocked as anybody else's. I'm shocked and appalled. Actually, I'm shocked. Shocked. Not that shocked. <laughs> there we go. Um, okay, so you like this one more than Part 1, right? Yeah, I love this one. <laughs> Why is that? Um, I can't think of, I guess... It's weird what Tim was saying. I guess you can't really have them. They have to work with each other. So it's weird. But it's just like all the payoff is in this one. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think there's a lot more of like dramatic sense to it. Um, I weirdly think even though this one has the Disney Japan stuff, which I love. I think I actually like more than Australia, weirdly. Um, well, Disney Japan, it's best was still a fan was still fantastic yeah um i wish it was it didn't have uh was it who was the other animation um company in it like at the beginning do you know it's all this entire episode is uh japan it is even yeah. at the 
Well, when the, the very beginning? Yeah, it's all yeah. Japan. Oh. But you know how it is with Disney Japan. Yeah. Different sequence different sequences aren't created equal. Yeah. Like <laughs> some scenes will be just fine. Some sequence will be kind of cartoony and rubbery. And it's like, this is fun. But then they'll like, like the lullaby scene in the episode, they all just say, hey, you know what? The best animator we got. Yeah, you do that. I don't like when they do the thing of like having Darkwing's beak so that it has the smile lines like inside of the perimeters of his beak, if you know what I'm saying. That's, you're talking about the sequence um, of the lullaby, right? No, that part is great. That's like one of the best. Oh, when he almost kind of has a full beak? Yeah, like where yeah. it's drawn more like a DuckTales character, where it's like the smile is inside of his beak instead that's, of going, oh. That's the entire beginning sequence with the breakfast yeah. Uh, routine, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can, just like Australia, when you can pinpoint animators, Disney Japan has their hallmarks. You can say, this is this animator, this is this guy, this is this guy. Because Disney Japan was made up of a lot of people and studios that made up TMS. Yeah. So a lot of it's the same. But I do agree with you with that Darkwing, but it's very, very stereotypically Disney Japan. But that lullaby sequence, though. It's so good. <laughs> that's that's my favorite style of Disney yeah, Japan. Exactly. What I think of when I think Disney Japan is that. Their style. characters have like kind of odd proportions, very like lanky arms. In the um, hands. They're so expressive. Very large faces. Yeah. Like Darkwing's beak is absolutely huge when this animator gets a hold of him. But the hats are smaller, like Negaduck and Darkwing's hats are smaller. And this is where the character will always do this very TMS-y kind of thing of sticking their hand up in the air and wiggling their finger. <laughs> that is a super T. Like, that goes back all the way to Gummy Bears. TMS always did that. And they still do it on... Um, Disney Japan, like they don't do it, I think here, but they do it a, a lot on um, Life the Negaverse and everything. A character will have his hand up in the air and wiggling his finger, and that's how you know this is Disney Japan. And there's a lot of like head shakes when instead of just staying still. <laughs> and characters react by suddenly like the lower part of their face will drop, and yeah. they'll react. It's that that's again, it's very. During this time, the Disney Japan wasn't reigning in the cartoony animation yet. So on this, on Tailspin, especially over on Bonkers, they were just getting crazy with it. And they really toned it down by Aladdin. Um, but on Darkwing Duck, it looks great. It kind of is like Don Bluth-ish. Kind of, yeah. But it's not just the animation, though. Like, the backgrounds are amazing. The red sky in the first act. Oh, yeah. That's so great how it starts. With like the sunset, like Bauble looks fantastic. It's mm -hmm. the, the yeah. thunder quack doing its um you know barrel roll when Launchpad oh, gets ex yeah that and scene. Not um you know not rotoscoped, and it's just um what do you call it? Very moody. This one, way more than the first part. <laughs> and I think the emotional stuff hits really well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's but the opening sequence, even though I don't like the animation as much with that breakfast sequence, it's so great showing the relationship between Darkwing and Goslin. I think now being around, like, you know, being older and having kids, it's just like 
is so much better watching it. Like, I don't think I appreciated how well that was done as a kid. And that's why when he turns on her and when she pokes a hole in his ego later on and he gets on her case and makes her cry, that's why that works so well. Because they spent a whole act building that up. And just because she questions his logic, he turns on her. Yeah. But then you see that one moment of like him remembering the helmet. <laughs> yeah, which they don't even, he says nothing. He just puts the helmet on. Yeah. Which is great. And then, it's like I so mentioned good. last week, when Bulba walks up behind him and he isn't, he isn't expecting to turn around and see this gigantic bull. Yeah, visually, that him walking up and it's just like encapsulating like the image of Darkwing is so good. <laughs> and J and when Taurus Bulba says, I'm in, he goes, your ego is out of control. Jim's read on that little, what? Yeah. <laughs> like that's Darkwing, like completely broken down, like really fast. Like he wasn't expecting this gigantic guy to like totally psychologically screw him up in like under a minute mm -hmm. like darping spent two episodes thinking I, I got this bull's number i can i can totally bring this guy down and nope, nope. <laughs> yeah yeah and then you got um the, there's music in it that i feel like you don't hear in any of the other episodes that's really good like bulb has got kind of this dark almost organ-like music that they only bring back, I think, in Steerminator. I think they brought it back once some other random time, and it was kind of disorienting, and I can't remember when that was. Yeah, probably. I wouldn't be shocked. I just can't <laughs> think of the episode. Um, and then, yeah, that the music when he's first seeing the um, flashing, the Morse code flashing lights is really nice. Yeah, the one it's like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do, that music, right? No, it's more like... Um... <laughs> Here we are trying to hum music from Darkwing <laughs> Duck. It's more like um, piano, I think. Ah, uh, still, nothing beats... Yeah. Nothing beats that. Um, and of course... Um, and then the music when the the, the um, building explodes and it like does that nice cross dissolve into the construction. The, yeah, there are no in any other Darkwing Duck episode. There is no emotional gut punches ever really, but when he grabs Darkwing and the building explodes and Goslin has to watch that happen, it's the one time in Darkwing Duck where you're like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> like the one time. Usually Darkwing doesn't. The show doesn't go for this kind of thing. But they yeah. really made it work. And that really, really beautiful little ending there where he takes the bandages on, on his head and he turns it into a mask. Yep. <laughs> like, that's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that whole part in the orphanage and him showing up. Or, yeah, him showing up is so sweet. It's, it def like I said last week, this part makes part one stronger just by existing. Yeah. But I think as an episode, just everything works about it. Like the animation is completely top notch and the acting is fantastic and the storyline is great. Everything about this one is just, it's like the best of Darkwing Duck. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, I would give it a five. <laughs> yeah. 
I don't remember really what I rated these when me and Will first reviewed them. But going back now, I probably would give I didn't give it a five because it wasn't in my top ten. But I'm just gonna give it a five now just because I feel like it. It's my podcast. <laughs> um so I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with next week. Yeah, uh because now we got this out of the way. Yep. Yeah. It'll be a surprise, an actual surprise. Awesome. <laughs> but I love going back and discussing episodes we did so long ago because there's more that can be said. Yeah. Um, all right. So until then, we are the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. You can find us on all podcast apps, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iTunes, Facebook, Podcast Radio Public, iHeartRadio, and Pandora. Or you can also just watch us on YouTube if you're so inclined. And Tiffany, how can the fans find you? And you have anything to plug tonight? Um, I'm on Instagram at Tiffany Silverbron and at Regurgitating Gertie. I'm on YouTube at Radioactivity and at CarnyTube. Um, just nice. want to rest in peace, Gilbert Godfrey. Yes, rest in peace, Gilbert <laughs> Godfrey. You will absolutely be missed. He was one of the good ones. Sad to see him go. What a, what a what a crazy past five or six months between him, Bob Saget, Betty White, yeah. Louis Anderson, Norm Macdonald. Wait, wasn't that a long time ago? Yeah, but you know what? It was recent <laughs> enough that I'm counting it. Yeah. Um, all these great comedians. Yeah. You know, and like I always say, it's crazy that you know Betty White was almost a hundred, and we're all saying she went too soon. No. You know, well. Hey, you know, it's life, it's sad, but we just have to remember the great things these people did. And all our all of our listeners who, you know, watch Darkwing Duck and Disney stuff, put on Aladdin, you know, remember Gilbert Godfrey and Robin Williams. You know, they were both great. Yeah. And uh, hopefully one day the Aladdin TV show will end up on Disney+. Plus. You know, here's hoping. Because <laughs> yeah. I would really love to see it again. Me too. Okay, folks, until next week, we will see you then. Have a great night and stay dangerous. Bye. Bye, everybody.